Nutson. <laughs> What's up, Jersey? is two guys talking golf. What's going on, man? The players. We're ready for the we, players. We had a big pre-production meeting for this show today. <laughs> yes. Um, all of, what, seven and a half seconds? I don't seconds, even think, I don't uh, even think it was Before we hit record? Long. We got a lot of topics this week. <laughs> it was fun. Out of Bay Hill. One of my favorite courses, actually. I love Riviera and Bay oh, yeah. Hill. I think those are probably my top two PGA Tour stops. Yeah, why was I? Why was I saying the players? Why am I? I just I'm breezed like, right in my mind. It, but like, I knew what you meant. Yeah, I knew you got confused. I wasn't going to focus on it though. Yep. But if you want to stay on that, we can. No, I don't know why I'm on the players' week when it's Arnold Palmer. <laughs> I, I yeah. All right, your boy is uh, your boy's checked out for the weekend already. So I don't know. I don't know what's just going to on. address um, <laughs> whatever people are going to say in the comments on YouTube. Yes, I am wearing glasses today. Yes, my allergies are bad. I do wear contacts, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Had to rip the contacts out, so we're wearing glasses. I, I like it, man. It's it's a smart looking. I, I prefer students. You know, it's to uh, smart, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I, I think you look. Good. I appreciate that. All right, so Bay Hill this week. What do you think about Bay Hill? You ever played there? You ever been out there? Uh no, no. I mean, I, I love the, I love like the Arnold Palmer influence. You know, the it's his course, yep. and he's got his office there, and and all that. Like, I'm a big fan of, a, you know, big fan of Arnold Palmer. I know he was a little before my time, but huge fan. I love all the, the documentary stuff that was does a, done about him, and he just seems like he was just an amazing guy. Um, so I love all that about it, but I've never been, uh, I've never been there, never been on site, never seen the course other than TV, just watching it. So uh, unfortunately kind of a, a kind of a novice i have had the pleasure of playing there a couple times um i've never made less than a double bogey on the 18th hole that holds absolutely impossible and so is the course in general <laughs> the rough the rough is thick <laughs> it plays firm especially this week like if the wind gets blown at all i just don't see how these guys break 80 like <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it i don't see it out there i don't see any birdies um a couple of the par fives are gettable but other than that pretty incredible that these guys do shoot under par, but historically speaking, it's probably one of the highest winning scores um, every year. I haven't seen any stats on that, but you know, all the players say how difficult the course is. I know that they kind of rake or mow the the rough like into the tee box, so you're always kind of hitting into the awesome. grain out of the rough. This is a sneaky little trick right there. <laughs> yeah, and it just gobbles up golf balls. I mean, there's no way to get any distance out of there if you hit it in the rough. Yeah, but the uh, the Arnold Palmer energy is is awesome there. Like everyone's celebrating yeah. his life and what he did for the sport for golf. Yes, I think we all know about that. Arnie's Army. He kind of changed the landscape, but what he also did was change the landscape of marketing and branding. For athletes with the umbrella with the courses with the the iced tea lemonade um oh. <laughs> what else has he done it's like it's like everything. Uh, I mean, I, across the board he's yeah. he's kind of dabbled here and there he's been successful at everything he's worked with uh mark mccormick i think was his name that he teamed up with and kind of they took over the yeah. branding merchandise game I mean, he kind of set the blueprint for what a lot of these guys are doing now with their logos, you know, philanthropic efforts. Um, it's just really cool that everyone kind of gets together this week, celebrates him and his legacy. Like, you know, you got yeah. the swag, Odyssey, Callaway, TaylorMade, all of them making uh, custom merch for this week. Um, and it's not a major, you know, they're they're doing no. it out of respect for Arnie. And what I thought was pretty cool. Did you see that Arnold Palmer uh, legacy exhibit in the in the forums? I did like a huge photo tour. Unfortunately, it was like 190 photos. I'm sorry if it loads slow for everyone. Um, I didn't want to break it up into two parts though because I thought it should just all live together. Um, so basically, they set up a temporary exhibit. I think it's called. Let me get exactly what it's called real quick. It's called. Sincerely Arnold Palmer, the Latrobe Legacy Campaign. Now, Sincerely Arnold Palmer is actually a brilliant name because what he would do is send letters to, like, everyone in the golf world. 
basically spreading motivation, yeah. appreciation, providing inspiration. But he would he would send these handwritten letters. You know, there there's letters that exist to Tiger Woods in like '92. You know, like he was really <laughs> a fan, or whoever was keeping on keeping um, their eye on the golf world for him, letting him know, like, whatever. He was a fan of golf and a really inspirational guy just to players in the golf world. You know, everyone has an Arnold Palmer story. And not to make it about me, but I do have one of my own. Ooh, have nice. Have I told this story on the show? I think, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> it might have. Um, but, well, you know, it might have been years ago. So, I'll please. Keep it, I'll keep I it as it. short as I can. <clears throat> so high school golf senior year it's right before like the county tournament which for high school golfers is a pretty big event I mean it's not yeah. the states or the USM but you know you want to win the county <laughs> and I'd actually won the year before so I was defending but I got uh, diagnosed with mono like four oh. days before the event and I was going through it like bad I was dead and I was just praying that the morning that I woke up, I was going to feel okay. I did not feel okay. But I went, through, I went through with it. I played in the event with Mono. Me and this kid, Alex Edford, we would always go back and forth. He was a really good junior golfer one year below me. And we fought it out. And I ended up clipping him by one stroke. Sorry, Alex. And oh. I ended up winning this <laughs> county event, which it's not the biggest event. But... Arnold Palmer, for some reason, was giving the trophy to the winner of that event because it was at this, like, Callaway-sponsored course or whatever, and I uh-huh. guess he was launching some sort of new, like, simulator or I don't know exactly why he was even presenting this trophy, <laughs> but he, like, calls me up to the stage, and the first thing he says to me, he's like, you look like a human one-iron because I was so tall and skinny. <laughs> I mean, I still am, but even more so back then. So uh, he, he was a great dude. I, I got like a signed Arnold Palmer flag for winning the high school county event. It was like so lucky and odd. But the human one iron story, I, I think my mom still tells that story to this day. It's just so funny. That's so awesome. Funny. Uh, but that's, that's who he was. That's- he like had a joke. He made you feel included, like a handshake for everyone. He sends you a letter, like just a really good dude. Yeah. I mean, just the stories you hear, I mean, from, you know, especially around this time, you know, this, this tournament, the stories you hear from the media and stuff like that. I mean, like you mentioned letters, like, I mean, he was that guy who didn't he return an autograph, like an autograph to every letter that was sent in or something like that. And like, he even paid the postage if, you know, nobody put return postage. I mean, he was just that guy that knew the fans made the sport. You know, I mean, the, the sport's great in its own and golf is amazing, but professional golf was made by the fans. And he was probably the best there ever was to, to interact with fans. And, you know, like you said, have everybody's got a story who's ever met him. I unfortunately never did. Uh, but it's, uh, it's cool to hear all those things and, and hear those stories. Cause he sounds like he was just a really, really cool guy. But yeah, I definitely recommend people, uh, going to the forums. It's under, hold on. I didn't want to get the title wrong and now I can't find it. <laughs> but I said, like, I was looking while we, like you were telling your story. And Dude, I this find is what happens when you don't have a pre-production meeting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We come in unprepared. We fly by the seat of our pants, and here we are, searching the internet during a podcast because <laughs> that's that's kind of what we do. That's I just, just that... want to do my proper research. I want to get my facts straight. <laughs> I don't want to spread misinformation. Um, yeah, and I still can't find it. Hold, please. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, listen, okay. we, it. it's, uh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for right. trying to stop for me. It's called Inside Arnold Palmer's Arnie's Army Legacy Experience at Bay Hill. It's in the forums, 190 photos. If you click in it and you go through, I tried to take a picture of everything in there. Um, now when you walk in, it's like a makeshift tent. It's definitely a temporary thing, but it's at the Lexington Cottage right off the 18th green at Bay Hill. Which, as I learned, the (laughs) the cottage was kind of famous. Um, Arnold Palmer would have, like, guests and friends over before the trophy ceremony at 
Bay Hill, like on Sunday. So it was kind of like their party house. Like they would nice. go chill at the Lexington Cottage. <laughs> the winner would finish up on 18. They would watch. They would hang out at the house, and then they would walk over for the trophy presentation, where Arnold Palmer was obviously a centerpiece in that trophy presentation. That's pretty yeah, awesome. So they made this like tent kind of outside the cottage. And when you walk in, it's like this hallway of 10 by 10 photos from throughout Arnold Palmer's life. Starting from when he was a baby, from when his dad put his, put a golf club in his hands for the first time. Um, all sorts of Latrobe, the golf course that, you know, he grew up at where his dad, I believe owned the course and he would go out like on the lawnmower and do it all himself type thing. Like they were, (laughs) they were real. Um, and I think it was only a nine hole course. They ended up adding nine more holes in like 1971, but that's where he was practicing. There was no range. It was just a nine hole golf course in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Um, I think those those type stories and that type upbringing is why people just loved Arnold Palmer. Oh yeah, you know everyone could say something like he was just like a real person. Yeah, it's like Lee, Tre- Lee Trevino the same way, you know. I mean, I think a lot of those old guys, I mean, Lee Trevino grew up with nothing, you know, taught himself how to play and made it to tour. And, you know, I think that's, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of golfers who, but a lot, I think if there's a lot of golfers too now, you like you don't hear the stories either, you know. There's not as many of those stories out there. But, yeah, the, the regular guy who came from kind of nowhere mm-hmm. and just became a professional golfer, that's a pretty cool story because, yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen every day, that's for sure. So you walk down this hallway, it's pictures on each side. They have, like, uh, some videos playing, you know. Real trip down memory lane. Then you walk in, now you're in, like, the actual cottage. Now, I didn't really know what they had in there. I wasn't expecting too much just because it was, like, you know, a temporary tent. You don't think there's going to be too much in there. I know that uh, they keep his office in Latrobe where he had, like, his workshop and everything i think they keep it like the way it was so i didn't think too much was going to be at bay hill but you walk in immediately you see his usam trophy his personal masters trophy his personal cigar holders that you win when you win the masters um his cherry hill us open jacket like the original wheaties box he was on like one of the (laughs) first prototypes of the umbrella like the pullover where he was wearing the old umbrella before it was like rainbow. Um, they had all sorts of uh, photos of him like flying planes and his like personal table that he had in his office where it's like filled with all of his medals from like Augusta yeah. and the PGA Championship and all that. Like it was, the, it was one of the coolest unexpected exhibits I had ever seen. I was like, oh my god, this is some of the coolest stuff ever. And That's... so you continue through, you like walk throughout, awesome, 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 mind-blown, mind-blown. You turn down the hallway, there's two simulators set up where you can just hit Arnold Palmer's old clubs that he had, yes, had really? stored away. Yeah, You could hit like his driver, his three-wood, his two-iron, his six-iron, his wedges, he had a putter, and they're all custom ground by Arnold Palmer himself. You could see what he was trying to do. Like oh, he man. was trying to flatten soles. He was trying to work on the um, the front line. He had like a V sole in one of his wedges. Like who knows when to ground that wedge? But it was probably before a V sole was any sort of popular. Like he, Dude, he was that's... a serious tinker fiddler like borderline engineer he knew what he wanted he knew the turf interaction he wanted he, he obviously had a certain look he liked to look down at um just a real like treat that legacy experience was and i think they're they're going through the whole weekend with it so if you happen to be going to the event i think you can just pop in um you may have to sign up for like being a member of arnie's army and you know supporting that organization and then you can go in and you can try out his golf club. It's like in- incredible. That's, I mean, that's pretty incredible. cool. Yeah, I mean, how? How? I mean, he he was a collector of golf clubs too. I remember seeing those things of his shop and just having like, like tens of thousands racks and of golf clubs. Yeah, um, 
like right when he passed, I think they showed like all the stuff that he had, and it was just, I mean, it's, he saved like every club he ever like got. So, I mean, it's not like they aren't there to. They, it's not like they're not available to hit. Like they don't exist, but that's just really cool that you would be able to hit like. Even if they're clubs that he just, te- you know, like they're not like major championship winning clubs or anything like that, it's still really cool that you get to hit something that, like you said, he had his hands on, he touched, you know, he used at least for a little bit, whether it was just testing or you know something, but uh, that, that that's really cool that you actually get to do that because I would I would never expect I mean, that. I mean, the memorabilia <clears throat> thing for sure. Yeah, those irons that we talked about, what was it a couple weeks ago at Pebble Beach, um, where they had the display up on the wall and it's confirmed that he won fourteen events with those irons they're selling for two hundred fifty thousand. the designs of those irons that are confirmed his were very similar to the one some of the ones that they had at this exhibit so i think he probably he either played with them in the <laughs> events or they were the prototypes to set up the clubs that you know he eventually played with but i asked him i was like you know what events did he play with these clubs like do we have any sort of confirmation whatever they were like they are game news clubs. They're from his stash. They're obviously hand ground by him, and he played with these clubs. It's just we can't confirm what events he did because he switched clubs every yeah. event. You know, he's got he's got yeah. three thousand <laughs> clubs ready at his um, at his side at all times, like in his garage, and he would change. He would change from round to round to round to round. Like he probably traveled with multiple bags, like pulling the Hideki oh. Matsuyama move. You know, <laughs> so it was. It was just. Well, a pleasure. I, I remember seeing. I, I mean, I remember like even up until he he passed when he still played golf. I mean, they would show he'd have a cart with two right. bags <laughs> full of clubs, both of them full of ba- clubs, and it was just him. It wasn't like him and his partner. Like those were both his bags, full of stuff, and yeah, he was just the ultimate the ultimate tinker. Yeah, I don't think he ever stopped that. Love it throughout his whole career, and probably the more money he made, just the worse it got. You know, cause he was able to, to buy more, to do more, to have more space, and um, just really cool. Arnold Palmer, man, what what can you say about about that guy? He changed uh, he changed golf. I think you know a lot of the money that's floating around and the TV deals and all that that started with him. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, especially like you said, the sponsorship stuff. I mean, he was a part of Cadillac and Pennzoil and I mean you name it he had some type of endorsement deal with I mean he he really brought that to the to to golf I mean you you give Tiger a lot of credit for where the money is and stuff like that now but like you said I mean what Arnie did back then was was he crazy the blueprint. you know Tiger took it to yeah. an entire new level obviously um yeah and he came around at the right time but uh Arnold Palmer was really the pioneer of mainstreaming and branding golf you know yeah i'm not dissing jack nicholas of course he was more of like the winner and arnie was yeah, like yeah. the pioneer of hey we're taking golf into the stratosphere you know he really blew up the sport <laughs> i'm sure that a lot of people in that generation played golf started playing golf just because of arnie oh yeah for sure for sure. Okay, so Arnold Palmer aside, there was a serious golf tournament about to be played. Me and Greg Moore were out there. Um, he took a million what's in the bags, as always. My favorite being Aaron Baddeley. We got a little, got a little update of what uh, Bad was playing, <laughs> and as I hoped for, he has about twenty clubs in the bag. Have, of course, checked out of course. His, uh, his setup. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. And uh, I went through a few of these uh, this week as they got uploaded, but um, it's always tough because, like like you said, there's so many. It's tough to go through every album, but uh, yeah, scrolling through right now, some interesting. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool setup. I think know? he's got five. There's five one different brands in there, which I always love from the free agents. Yeah. And and the and one of the clubs, which I mean, he's got multiple of almost everything, but the thing that jumped out like immediately, just scanning through, is one of his putters, which was the Honda or the, the Honda, the, the Odyssey, uh, the I guess the the the, the, the Rossi yeah. or the Rossi five uh, K, with no weights in the sole anymore. 
The weights were removed. And it didn't take them out to put lightweights in. There's just no weight. So there's two holes just in the bottom of this putter. <laughs> Why do you think he did that? Do you think it's Pretty like a short putter and he just wanted to take weight out of the head? I mean, he wanted to take weight out of the head. Typically, the shorter you go, the heavier the head. So, like, back oh, in the yeah. day, Sorry. it's it's a little it's up. a little less now. Yeah, back in the day, it used to be, like, 35 inches was 330 grams, and then 340 for a 34 inch, and 350 for a 35. Mm-hmm. Now, every head out there is, like, 350 to 365 grams, no matter what length you play it at for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if he plays it, like, a little long, and he just wanted a lighter weight. And I wonder what the head weighs without any weights in it. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, what's what's funny to me is that some of these guys will test simultaneously, like a blade and a mallet. Yeah. And he's got uh, putters from two different companies. It's just funny to me that it's like you can't decide whether it's blade or mallet. Like we can't even narrow it down to there. We're just going to really test everything at the PGA Tour event. <laughs> I just re- I respect that. I think it's <laughs> I think it's funny though. Um, some of these guys who switch players yeah, all the time, just the indecision is so real. Oh yeah, well I mean I, I get that. Like I mean I look at like I've got a bag that has kind of like my like putter rotation in it, um, and it's got basically three putters that I use the most, and two of them are blades, one's a mallet. Like I mean it just I go with whatever's the hot hand. The hot on. hand. Feed and, the hot hand, baby. Yeah. Feed the hot hand, but the other the other interesting thing is that he plays a he's still playing. The, I mean, not that he's still playing, but the Callaway Rogue ST Max. Yeah, not the LS, not you the Triple the Diamond, not one of the pro. No, it's not one of the prototype heads or anything like that. It's just a Max head. Uh, you know, that's a ten five head set minus one. It looks. Like. Is it minus one or plus? Uh, I can't tell if it's minus one or plus one. Plus one. So it's a ten five head plus one. So that thing sh- sits a little bit shut, probably, and uh, he's playing an eleven and a half degree driver with a, you know, Tensei AV raw blue, sixty five TX. So, pretty interesting combo. You don't see a lot on tour. Eleven and a half degree drivers, they're not super super common. It's it's a bag like that that makes me want to send the link to like every amateur golfer that I know. It's like, look, Aaron Baddeley, obviously <laughs> a ball striker, a gamer. He's playing with. A, yep. A very forgiving driver with a lot of loft on it. He's got five different brands in his bag. He's testing putters still. Like, I think he does it a really good way with gear, where he's not tied to a brand. He's willing to test everything, um, and he plays what he needs for him. Now, I know that they all do that. They eventually get into a build that's right for them. But I just like how he goes about goes about it. He fills his bag with the tools that he wants to use to optimize his game. Yeah. And I just think that's what that's what everyone yeah. should do. Test everything and figure out what's best and what you like and kind of have no judgments going in. Don't get tied to, to one brand. I probably said that yeah, a I million mean, times yeah, on I mean, the show, but you know, I just wanted to reiterate. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it's all about works. I mean, yeah, he goes from Callaway, TaylorMade Fairways, Ping Eye Blades, Callaway wedges. I mean, he's got yeah a little bit of everything. Got a Cameron in there. I mean, he's got you know a little bit of everything, which is pretty cool. And you know, I, I think and I think we're going to see more of that. You know, as there seems to become more and more free agents out there. I mean, there's just it seems like every time you look, somebody's done with somebody else in terms of, or done with a, a you know their their deal with so and so is done, and they're they're just kind of doing their own thing. And I think we're going to see more and more where a guy has you know three, four, maybe even five brands uh, in the bag because he's going with what works. I did not want to get into this right now, but it looks like we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) All right. You made me think of it, and here we go. The amount of money that they're now competing for, why would you have a brand? What's the the point of the, I'm guessing, but, you know, $750,000 or even a million dollars for the whole year now you're tied into a company. If you can't get out of like the 13 club deal and get in a, a nine club or 10 club deal, now you're tied into one brand. And like we were just talking about, that might not be the best way to prepare yourself to have the best clubs in your bag. Cause it's just, what are the chances that each individual club is all made by the same brand? So the money that they're competing yeah. for is wild. Now, 
78 person fields for the elevated event. 78 <laughs> person fields, no cut. In 2024, they just announced the new format, the new structure, the new system. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's got their own take. It seems that golf Twitter is saying, you guys are complete hypocrites. All you're doing is making a live golf event. All the players are like, it's not remotely the same at all. It's a business. We're trying to support the smaller tournaments that aren't the elevated field events. And then when you get to the elevated events, you're guaranteed to see the top names for four days, no cut. And they're going to be competing for the ultimate prize with huge paychecks. Um, what, I mean, what do you think here? Everyone has a different opinion. People are very passionate about it. They do not like no-cut yep. events. I've learned that they don't <laughs> like no-cut events. Or at least they don't like the hypocrisy of like shifting the goalposts. Because before, that was kind of the critique of live. Oh, you're going to do no-cut events? Like This is just a money grab. Yeah. Where's the history? Where's the competition? And now here comes the PGA Tour. They change into a structure that, you know, it looks a bit similar. I know the whole thing is more based on meritocracy and, you know, getting the best players in the field more often, giving guys a chance to play into that system. But there are some similarities. So what do you got here, Nuts? Yeah. I, mean, I agree. There's definitely some similarities, and I definitely can see where people, you know, can can call things out and say, you know, hey, that you know, this this looks a, a very lo- a very much like what your your competitors doing. Um, but also, I mean, it's it's four events. I mean, what did we we used to have what four WGC events every year, and those were limited fields. You know, maybe a different format with the match play with one of them. But I mean, they, they were different formats. I don't think. If they had, I think maybe one or two of them didn't have a cut, and they were smaller fields. Um, you know, I I get it. I don't. It doesn't really bother me. I mean, at first I was kind of like, okay, like why would I care? You know, maybe we should instead of seventy eight guys, should it be a full one twenty five or you know whatever it is? But you know, if you add the cut back in, because I mean, I would think like you know those guys get more money. It would kind of wash down to the guys even who didn't play well. But really, I mean. It's great that the guy that the top name's going to be there, but like, if Rory has a bad weekend, do you really want to go watch Rory shoot plus eight? Is that is that really cool? I mean, is that what you want to see? I mean, I get that you want him there, I get it, <laughs> but on Sunday the, when he's cool, just like, like... <laughs> is, is 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 watching you know uh, you know Justin Thomas you know make double bogey on eighteen and run out of there so he can get on his plane and go home on Sunday? Like, is that what you want to see? I mean. I get it, um, but no, it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, at the end of the day, the best players are there. You're going to see a great field, and that's what people want to see. And whether it's no cut or not, it doesn't matter because the guys who are at the top of the leaderboard are going to get all the TV time anyway. Um, I mean, yes, will they show Tiger if he's plus three and he's out of the running and you know the leaders are minus 10? Sure, they're still going to show Tiger, and that's great because people want to see him. But you know, for everybody else... You're, they're not really going to show you anything from them. They're they're just going to show the guys at the top, and it's going to be it's going to have the feel of of every other tournament um, until you get to the very end, and you know that last putt on eighteen is worth millions and millions more than it used to be. So I, I, it doesn't bother me. I mean, it it, it it is what it is. I mean, I think you know seeing a few different formats and a few different events anyway in golf is kind of cool. So I, I'm I'm fine with it. it like I said, it's not going to change my like viewing experience. I don't think. You know, I'm not going to, it's not going to be less to me. Yeah, I think uh, it's just like that Friday drama that you kind of miss out on. Yeah. Um, I also That's true. just see the cut throughout history as just a gauge of consistency. I thought it was really, you know, this stat yeah. of Tiger Woods not missing the cut for four years. Um, and just like that running weekly narrative of, oh, this guy missed three cuts in a row. He's playing terrible it kind of just gets rid of that narrative um and then a little bit of friday drama i'm probably going to be less enticed to watch on a friday and i don't think yeah i can see that i don't think for fans like me who like love the game really love the sport and we just want to see good competition like like you said i don't i don't turn on the tv on sunday when 
Rory's plus seven to see Rory play a round of golf that he doesn't really care about. You know, he's already out of the event. They're probably really not going to show him that much anyway, because why? You know, I don't want to watch Colin at six over completely out of contention, or even if he's like seven shots back. I mean, I don't really need to see that shot. Like his body language, he's way out of it. You know, he knows he's out of it. Um, So from that aspect, all the players seem pretty fired up about this, by the way. Of course, these are all the top guys talking, but they all seem pretty fired up. My thing is, like, as a player, why would you really want to play in no-cut events? There's no, like, real difference. If I'm 12 over through two rounds, I'd just as well book a flight and get out of there. You know, like, yeah. the best-case yep. best scenario, I go super, super low, and I kind of backdoor a top 15 finish, and I hike my check. But all the guys in the field that we're talking about, they don't care about backdooring a check. They just want to win. So that's just that's yeah. kind of where my holdup is. It's just like, why? Why not just have 80 guys in the field, cut it down to 55 after the first couple of rounds just to keep people engaged and kick a couple of people out? You know, yeah. I guess they just want that guaranteed money. Like, if I tee it up, I'm not going to miss a cut. I'm not going to go home empty-handed. The There's a lot of money, and we're reducing the field, so there's more money for everyone. Like, yeah, that kind of sounds like a money grab. But to, to like Rory's <laughs> point and uh, Max Homa, it's also you're guaranteed to get all the guys on Sunday, so it might just set up for more of those like Tiger versus Phil, Scotty versus Rom, like all the the storylines historically that golf fans do like. They want to see top players go head to head week in week out. And then for the sponsor side of things, which is really what this is probably all about, you you can just guarantee, like, you know, MasterCard uh, is the sponsor this week. Now, say it's not an elevated yep. event, you can't guarantee anyone's going to be there. But True. if you're a sponsor now in two years of Bay Hill and it's an elevated event, you're guaranteed that the top 78 guys are likely going to be there. And you're going to get them for four rounds of TV coverage. It probably helps ticket sales on the weekend, viewership numbers in some way, shape, or form. So from the business aspect of it and, like, the health of the tour going forward, I think it's super helpful because you also bring – I mean, we saw it last week with uh, the Honda. Like, the field is super weak. And it's hard to get guys to go play in an event like that if – the elevated events have 155 guys in the field. You know, it's like, why, why would I play at the Honda when I can just play at Bay Hill? But now you can't <laughs> get into Bay Hill if you're, you know, 98 on the money list. So now you have to go play Honda. So it really helps them sell that event to sponsors because, yeah. you know, maybe you're not getting the top 78 guys, but you're still at least getting like that mid tier level guy. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving. I mean, parts it, it's going to gonna decision. hurt. It probably wasn't a decision that they took lightly. They probably thought about everything. No. and they're like, "This is about right. We're going to get chewed on golf Twitter <laughs> for like the perceived hypocrisy. We'll let that die down because no one's going to care in a month anyway." <laughs> That's yeah. how I'm seeing this whole thing. Well, and and honestly, I mean, you could have – what it's going to kill is the tournament, right? It's just like the majors, right? Like the tournament before and the tournament after are typically tough because the biggest names go play. Or, you know, they're getting ready for, the, for you know, whichever major it is. And the warm-up tournament before is usually skipped. <laughs> and then you play the major, and then a lot of them skip the next week. And it's just, you know, the elevated events are going to – create a little bit more of that uh unfortunately but they they could have done it with still making a cut and then just said hey if you miss the cut you still get 25 grand or whatever you know like you know 50 grand and you go home but hey here's your 25 grand covers your expenses for the week under the table you get like an appearance fee if you uh yeah everybody everybody is everybody gets 25 grand or you know whatever the number is everybody gets their 15 grand 25 grand and you know, if you miss the cut, hey, you still got paid. You covered your expenses, and if you make the cut, hey, you're gonna make some. You're gonna make some money. I mean, I, d- I do that. think it kind of but, 
increases the drama at the other events too. I, I just thought of this because they're probably throughout that coverage they're going to be blowing up the fact that like, oh, he needs this putt, he needs to go birdie birdie to qualify yeah, to get in the next elevated event. So it brings that level of drama there, which is actually yeah. really smart. Now that I'm talking this out and thinking through it, I, I think I support what's going on. I, I do think it's healthier yeah. for in general all the events, and then for the top guys, you have more of, like, a defined season. Like, these are the big events. It's like the, it's more like the NFL now, almost, where it's like, okay, we know what 17 games are going to be played. We can start looking at the schedule, whereas now it's like, all right, who's going to play here? Who's going to play here? Who's going to play here? Now you at least know. And then at the other events, there's a little bit more drama with them trying to qualify. And some of those guys will really want to get in those fields because it is guaranteed money. It's like, this is the promised land. All these elevated events are now <laughs> where you need and want to be if you want to cash huge paychecks. Now, they're still going to be playing for million-dollar checks at the other events. Yeah. But it's not going to be yeah. as, as big as the 3.2 mil or whatever it is now for the elevated events. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Liv came I in mean, they disrupted completely. And ultimately, I think it pushed the PGA Tour to innovate, to make the players happy, and they all call it, let's create a better product. But that is kind of what it is. They're they're trying to make (laughs) more compelling TV that makes more sense to the fans, that's a bit more simplified for sponsor investment. And ultimately... I, I do think the fan kind of wins here because now we're going to get a bunch of events where all the top guys are guaranteed to be there. And they want to be there yeah. now because the money's good and the competition, these are all the top guys. So you know who you got to beat. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, hey, these events on the calendar are the ones the big guys will be at. Those are the ones you're going to watch. And the rest will be, you know, will hit or miss. You know, I mean, well, I mean there's still going to be some of those yeah. events that – but there's still be the events like like I mean like like the hometown here Detroit Rocket mm-hmm. Mortgage like you know there's like I, I is Ricky still with them like Ricky's probably gonna have to play it because he's a you know a quick and loans guy and you know not well, not Bryson anymore but you know those type of things are gonna happen where you know Citibank or well Citibank's not a sponsor but it's like JT and Citibank but that's gone um, <laughs> but there, there's a few tournaments where like you, you know guys are gonna have to play because yeah. sponsor things but. Other than that, you know, yeah, the elevated events is where it's going to be, and those are the ones that are going to be watched. So it'll it, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, what what's going to kind of play out, and then also how they kind of revise it for next year. Because I mean, I know there's a couple events on the list that are you know designated events that have now that I think are only for this year. Next year they'll kind of evaluate, see if they will be uh, again. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what it evolves to in, in year two. Are they uh, going on like a system where? Detroit Golf Club will eventually host a elevated event. Like, will the Rocket Mortgage, you know, six <laughs> years down the line, is it a rotating thing? That I'm not. That I'm not uh, sure. I, about. I, if it's the same events year after year, I would like to see a little bit of a switch up. So I hope that they're thinking about that. I would think that you might get like maybe two of the slots or three of the slots or something that rotates yeah. through. I don't, I don't, I don't think like the rocket is ever going to be a big enough one where there'll be, a, you know, an elevated event. But you're you're right. I mean, I think you know, the the, the Bay Hills, the waste managements, the like there's those ones are always going to be big. You can't take those away. Those are going to be the big ones. Um, they're big tournaments anyway. Uh, but yeah, it would be good to see a few rotate, you know, throughout some years, just like you know majors, and you know you get your fingers crossed that you know hopefully your hometown tournament gets picked that year. But you know it'll be, uh, be yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm not counting on the Detroit one to be big anytime. I soon. like that golf course. <laughs> I like that event. It's a fun event. It, I tell you, what, I mean, it's fun because it's hometown event. I love a hometown event. I like going. Um, and I played the course. It's it's pretty interesting. It's, that's, uh, that's it's, not a, it's pretty fun. That's not good when you say, yeah, how was that golf course? Well, it was pretty interesting. That's like, okay, I hated it. I mean, no, not not at all, actually. It's 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 just one of those, like, you know why they shoot 24 under every it year. Was it wasn't kind of easy? Like, you get it. <laughs> I think I shot 83. And now, granted, it wasn't the tips or anything like that. They were still putting, putting up all the grandstands, and they wouldn't let us go back to the tees. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, we played it. And I, I think like I played really well and like, I was like, this is like, I was looking at drives. Like I hit a good drive and I'd be like, Oh, okay. I got like, you know, seven iron into this green. And I'd look by, back at like where the tee box is. And I'm like, yeah, they're only moving like 30 yards behind where we hit. Like they're hitting wet, like three wood wedge yeah. into this green. No problem. Yeah. So I was like, this they is going to be, lengthen that tear course, apart though. this. It's, it's pretty, uh, no, it's like embedded into that neighborhood. Right. Yeah, you'd have to buy like yeah. There's just there's too many houses and it's it's in it's in it's actually in Detroit. So there's just nowhere. Uh, and now everything like like before when the before that tournament came into town, there were probably some places that you could probably buy and you know make some room. Uh, some homes you could probably remove and they were probably in rough shape. But now that the tournament's been there a few years, all those places have been built up and like it's it's getting way nicer around there. So um, yeah, it it is what it is. All right. Let's get into some gear from the tour. All right. I um, like it. Not a ton of topics, but a couple of interesting ones. Xander Shafele. Yep. Pretty cool hybrid type design with this putter between the two previous putters that he was playing. So from 2020 to 2022, let's call it, he was playing that uh, Red Odyssey O-Works number 7CH. Um, yep. Super red. Definitely yep. red. And he got, he, Definitely he red. got some wins. He made a lot of money with that putter. Come 2023, I don't know exactly when he switched to that XS Proto 2 on design. Um, but his, so his original red O Works putter, it had the white hot insert on the face. Then he switches in 2023 or late 2022 to that Odyssey 2-1. I mean, it looks like a number seven, but it's called the XS Proto. It has a milled face. It it's... has that diamond milled 2-1 face. So he went away yep. from the insert. This week, we see him on the putting green, and he's back to a red Odyssey putter. And we're like, okay, I guess he got rid of the XS Proto. Turns out, it is not the old red odyssey that he was playing before it's an all new one so yep. they recrafted the putter it's basically the same head shape so nothing really changed like structurally but instead of the white hot insert now in this red odyssey putter now he has a milled face like with the excess pro yep. except this one's also painted red so i think he did like the feel of the face on the excess proto it's a little firmer than the insert that he was playing before but he ain't like the silver. He wanted the red back. So he got himself the red back. <laughs> um, they put like a custom Odyssey 2 on design Las Vegas soul plate in there with some custom red screws. Like, it looks like a pretty cool putter. Yep. And Xander seemed really happy with it. The The face is two-tone, even though it's milled. Like, the color yeah. white, he's got red up top. And then it's it's really black on the face. But when you're looking down at it from a dress... You don't see the black face. Oh, you don't yeah, see it? You, you don't just see, it? like, the red for the most part. And I think that's probably what he wanted. Obviously, it's a prototype made just for him. He got whatever the heck he wanted. And Yeah. Yeah, he was fired up. We talked to him. We actually have a video with him explaining the putter. Um, that's on Golf to Rex Instagram. It's also over on PGATour.com. So check out that video. But, yeah, what did you think about the putter? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing the first one, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He went to the Toulon, and yeah, Toulon's got their diamond mill, and it looks like it's the new... So there's two versions... Well, I wouldn't say there's two versions. There was the older diamond mill uh, that that was a little firmer, and then they made... Uh, I think it was for 2022. They made... They kind of updated it slightly, and they put, like, really kind of micro-milling into the already diamond mill, and it softened it up just a little bit. It was still no insert, whatever, but just softened it up a touch. And it looks like both the old silver one, the XS Proto, uh, had that face. And then this new one, it looks to have it as well. And like you said, it's pretty interesting. They painted the face black, but the red just does come over the top line and takes up like the half row of diamonds on the top. So like you said, you you don't see much of the black face, if anything, from a dress. uh, But they kind of hide it that way by painting over into the face. Uh, But it looks really good. Like the, the sole plate... 
Yeah, it looks almost like it's off a retail putter, just the Las Ve- the, the standard uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it's just done in black, and like you said, it's got the red screws and s- some like white or silver uh, paint fill. I-, I think it looks really solid. I- I'm not a big fan of the red personally, but I, I think it's a great looking putter. And uh, you know, it, like you said, it's something he's comfortable with. He putted with for a long time. And uh, the Toulon stuff, if you've never tried one, I mean, they're a really good milled putter. Like they they got a good feel to them. Okay, Sam Burns. So he's gone through 2023 so far. I don't know exactly how many events he's played. I think he's played four. Um, he has not switched into the new paradigm. Everyone is switching into the paradigm. They're all saying the same thing. It's like the dispersion's better. It sounds and feels better, so I switched into it. Like pretty simple stuff. You know, it's no secret why these guys are switching. Um, Sam Burns had not switched, though. This week, that changed. So, so we caught up with uh, with <laughs> yep. Sam to check out his driver build. We talked to him a bit about why he switched. Um, so he changed into a triple diamond S. Now the S, yep, it doesn't stand for Shuffle. I think it stands for small. But either way, yeah. four hundred twenty cc's definitely super compact head. Um, he made like a slight loft adjustment, and then he also tipped the shaft. And he's got, he's got the, he's got the Ventus Seven TX in there, four hundred twenty cc head. Like this is a weapon, man. I was I was kind of scared touching that thing. It was like I would hit this so far right because just because I couldn't release it probably. But um, yeah, like fade bias, low spin head, super compact. You know that shaft is no joke. He hits it a ton. He's one of those no-joke yeah. distance guys. I think he's 16. Um, but he's he was like 128, I think, in driving accuracy. Not the straightest <laughs> driver. And what he was saying is that uh, the paradigm head just tightens that dispersion down range. He was like, it's the same starting line. It's just when I curve it, it doesn't spin as much to the left or to the right. So when I hit that you know, cut and I overcut it, he thinks the, the driver's helping him keep it within a tighter window. And as someone who basically doesn't hit any fairways, he definitely needs something more accurate. And like he said, he was like, I don't change drivers for more distance. Like, we hit it playing far, I'm just looking to tighten up the dispersion. So I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting. He was pretty honest about why he switched. Um, probably took him a little bit to get that head dialed because he – is what a 14 gram weight in the back and then a 12 gram weight in the front in the front weight port isn't that a really yeah, a, that a 12 a really in the back heavy head? Uh, it's a 12 and a 10 uh on there but yeah well it depends because now it's a totally different head you know compared to the the stock yeah, one where it's only 420 cc's so um but definitely, I mean, it's got to be super low spin. Yeah. I mean, the CG is now just pushed even more forward. Uh, now, he does have the heavier weight in the back, but again, I mean, two grams shifted yeah. compared to the two front. Two grams can be a lot. Um, it can, but I mean, it's got to be uber low spin. It does look, uh, you know, from a dress, it's hard to tell how small it looks from the photos. I mean, without seeing it, but I bet it is pretty darn small. The yeah. face is pretty deep. So, yeah, I got to think this is a pretty low spin animal. Um, and... You know, it, it, but it looks good, and uh, yeah, the S. I mean, we're seeing again. We're starting to see a lot of prototypes from Callaway out on tour when it comes to drivers. Prototypes. I thought that was the point. I, yeah, I I was under the influence, like uh, under the understanding early in the year when kind of we found out about Paradigm there. There might be like one on tour, you know, yeah. or something like that. Uh, and now we're up to at least like three. I guess four, it is unrealistic like that. Like for a guy like Burns if he doesn't want to look down at four hundred fifty CCs. And he wants something smaller, what are you going to do? You're going to not make him a prototype and just keep him in the Rogue SC? Yeah, I mean, but I'm, it's not cheap to make these, like, to make this, though. I mean, uh, you know, all the tooling, all the machining, all that stuff, like, as much as this looks like a Paradigm Triple Diamond, it uses none of the same panel. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming none of the same panels, none of the same so pieces all different tooling. are yeah, there. That, that would be expensive. I mean, yeah. drivers aren't, aren't cheap I to mean, make. Yeah, I mean, maybe the back plate where the weight goes in, maybe they, they that carries over, but it's going to have a different crown, different sole, uh, potentially even different face, depending on what the design is. So, I mean, that's not cheap to do. So, you know, 
but it, and also interesting, it's it's a nine. It's a, so the the head list lo, the loft is listed a nine point oh with a plus. So I wonder what that means. I don't know exactly what that plus. means either. But I was talking to uh, Johnny Wonder. He said they had to they, like they had to adjust the loft of the head to match ten five, but he did keep it at ten five, which I think was his uh, previous build. So they were basically okay. just trying to match the loft of that. They just had to adjust it and then obviously tip the shaft. I think they were going back and forth for yeah. a little bit on trying to get the build exactly right. And I think that was yeah, kind of the and whole got, yeah. switching. I, I just don't think he was finding exactly the head shape performance he wanted. And I think finally tipping that shaft probably probably took him over the edge, which is why he switched this week. That's not why. <laughs> that's not exactly what he said. I'm speculating but i think i'm yeah i think yeah, I'm and, he's got, there. and he's got a ventus blue 7tx tipped an inch which the 7tx is much different than a ventus blue yeah. 7x and then yeah tipped so yeah he's uh he's bringing some heat but interesting to see that going that small i mean i know like the ping g430 lst's 450 or 440 cc's i mean it's a little bit smaller um so we, we've seen a little bit of smaller drivers but this is you know, if that's the size, it's it's pretty small compared to to anything else. And no, you're probably not going to see it at retail. So if you're looking for uh, to get your hands on one, probably going to be pretty difficult. I mean, I don't want to put it past Callaway to do some sort of, like, early summer limited release. I don't want to put that past them, but I think you're right. I don't think this is ever going to see the light of day. I don't think anyone's going to be able to buy that. Yeah, you're going to have to, like, search eBay for the guy who, you know, swiped one out of somebody's bag or whatever. Uh, to snag one up and pay a probably a pretty you're hefty you're probably going to literally it, have so. to get Sam Burns backup. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a lot. I, don't, I haven't <laughs> seen that one out there in anyone else's bag. I don't. I don't know if you see anything different, but I don't recall seeing that in anyone else's bag. So that literally might be the case. No. Yeah, they they may only have a couple of them for him, you know, and maybe a couple different lofts or something, just as he was testing and putting it together. But they're probably, yeah, there probably ain't too many of those around. Um, I'm not going to lie. I just looked at the leaderboard. It's not going great for him this week so far. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's just not that accurate of, of a driver. You know, no offense. It's just, like, kind of his weak point with the, with the driver, at least, and... If you're not driving it well at Bay Hill, you're going to get torched. <laughs> the problem is just, <laughs> it's deep. It grows into you. The greens are firm. Some of them are elevated. Like, you just can't even put the ball on the green. No. I'm not talking any noise Brutal. about Bay Hill. Like, I'm not saying it's too hard. It's beautiful. But it is difficult. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> just a couple more quick topics, really. Um, let me just bring up this... Uh, Patrick Cantley had a great answer to uh, one of my questions in the press conference. He's not always the easiest to lock down for like a one-on-one interview, so the press conference is a good place to get Cantley talking because he is a really intelligent guy. Like he also yeah. is low-key a gearhead. I know he doesn't like changing, but he's really smart about what he uses, why. Um, and when he tests something, like he's intentional with what he's got going on. So I just wanted to read this quote real quick. Um, now I asked, he's obviously an equipment free agent. I've also been hearing that he's yeah. been doing all sorts of shaft testing. Uh, I don't think he's been doing too much head testing. We did see him testing out a ping driver at some point, but he hasn't switched <laughs> into that yet. So no news there. But I asked him, you know, you're obviously an equipment free agent. How's it going? Like, what's the update? Have you switched anything? How are you enjoying the testing process? So I'll just read it all the way through, and you can provide any thoughts. He says, yeah, I've done a little testing. In general, I'm not a big tester. But if something's better or potentially better, I'm now in a position where I can go out and put that in right away. That's exciting. I really have only... Oh, I really have only done some shaft changes this year. I experimented with some stuff in the off-season, and then at the beginning of this year, I thought maybe going heavier and everything would help me hit it a little straighter. I've been swinging the golf club just a little bit faster lately, and that's by design. I think it's important to try and hit it far these days. It's just the simplest, fastest way to get a little bit better. So I noticed that the club or the shaft started to feel a little weak. So I went to try and find 
the right nudge into what stiffer was like what that meant for him i tried to go heavier with everything from dg 120s to x 100s and then just 10 grams heavier in the same wood shafts the heavy change was really difficult for me to have similar feels so what i ended up doing was going back to the old weight same shaft tipping the wood shafts and then hard stepping the iron shafts that's made a big difference in straightening out the ball flight feeling I don't have to guard against too big of a draw, and it's just been much easier than going heavy as far as the feels go. So he wanted something stiffer. He tries going heavier. He's just trying to figure out what that means and how to do it. Ends up tipping, hard stepping. I thought it was a pretty cool um, way to go about this. Like, he did some serious experimentation. Like, he put it through the paces. Uh, He was trying everything and eventually got to a place where – it really makes sense what he did. You know, I think I think hard stepping, yeah. and if you want to explain what hard stepping is uh, real quick, but I think hard stepping was probably the way to go just based on what it sounds like he did. And, yeah, he didn't like the heavier, but hard stepping is perfect. Yeah. That's a, well, that's I a mean, great solution. And for those guys, weight is a – I mean, for us, I mean, weight plays a role in, in how we swing the club. And for those guys, it's even more. I mean, they're just more sensitive to any change in the club. But, yeah, hard-stepping, you basically take uh, you know, t- you take your 7-iron shaft and you basically move it into your 6-iron six iron sh- head. And you do that throughout the whole set. So you're basically taking, uh, you know, the whole shaft set, the 5, the 6, and you're just moving them up into one. And what that does is it, it makes the shafts play about a third of a flex stiffer. So, you know, if you're playing a stiff shaft, it's going to basically basically be a stiff and one third. I mean, it's like one third more, uh, more stiffness, but the profile of the shaft stays the same. The launch, all that pretty much stay the same. I mean, you may see a, a slight drop in launch and spin or something like that, but, uh, it's basically moving the setup and then the opposite soft stepping. You can do the exact opposite of, you know, move the shafts down. So you take that seven iron shaft, put it in the eight iron plays about a third of a flex softer. So you can really kind of dial in the flex. And if he's got a little more speed, you know, moving up to a heavier, stiffer shaft, whatever, may be too big of a change where just the, you know, hard stepping just gives that little bit of extra stability to him that he's looking I for. I also think it's kind of just a cool thing to do. It's like, yeah, I got my, <laughs> my iron shaft hard stepped. It's no big deal. I'm yep. just really I've, uh, precise. <laughs> I, I've done it. It's it, and it's not hard to do. I mean, even with like so, like if you do taper tip shafts, which like Cantley plays Forge. I think he plays like uh, MBs or C or, or MBs or CBs yeah. from Titleist. They're taper tip, meaning that the shafts have a little taper at the end of them, so you can't like you can't really tip on you know cut the tips and tip them. So it's an easy way to just like do it. I, I've done it before too, and it, it's interesting. It's it, you know depending on the shaft, you can sometimes tell a little difference there between a, a hard stepped and a standard shaft uh, when you do it. I know you were kind of going to get fired up with Cantley's answer there. Okay, we're down yeah, to like one last topic, and the topic is just a question: Is a new Callaway okay. wedge on the way? Because we have some photos of a new prototype. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't see anything because there's lead tape caked on the back of it. Uh, I don't even know exactly yep. where Greg got this photo from, but obviously there's a new Callaway uh, prototype wedge. It does have four back ports, and other than that, I can't see a dang thing back there. So we have no clue <laughs> um, on name, nomenclature. I love saying the word nomenclature. Yeah, Nomenclature yeah, great, great word. But I don't know what's going on here. Uh, the photo, I'm going to do a little self-plug real quick. We got the tour report. On GolfWRX.com, if you go to GolfWRX.com, yep. click on the tour report, and <laughs> you scroll down all the way to the bottom, uh, Greg got some photos of this new Callaway prototype wedge. That's all I got on yeah, it, unfortunately. It's, uh, we only have photos. The only thing on the, uh, that, I, that I can kind of take away from it, uh, it, it definitely has some type of, like, soul grind. I mean, the whole – because the wedge is kind of like an antique well, blackish bronze. Well, every wedge has a soul grind. Well, yeah, but I mean, so this one looks like it's been—it looks like it's been hand ground. After, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. after production, uh, but it looks like it's had like the soul grind. It's like the the bottom is all silver, and the rest of the wedge is kind of a dark finish. Um, they've got the the four weight ports, and it looks like the heel weight port is kind of the largest. It kind of fills the the space the most, and if you look out in the toe, the two out in the toe seem to be recessed more into the wedge. Makes me think that there's a little more weight, maybe 
further into the heel on it for that some reason. Wild um, but it makes work me... right there. Now that I zoom in on it, yeah, it does look like some sort of progressive sizing or something. Yeah, it looks like the weights are different, and then also it's got a decent amount of offset for a sixty degree wedge. If you look at the added dress photo, uh, it, it does have a, you know some offset to it, which some tour players really like. I mean, some tour players, especially in their lob wedge, uh, like mm-hmm. a little bit of offset. But uh, the overall shape looks pretty traditional. It's pretty Callaway. Um, and like I said, it's just got that that custom hand-ground sole. And then also in the very top, you can see there's like a little indention uh, right in the very top. But it's under the lead tape. You can see there's a little bit of a kind of a recessed mark that uh, I'm assuming would be kind of the name of the wedge or whatever they've got. Uh, it would probably go there. But uh, other than that, yeah, you really can't tell much because uh, it, it is either it's covered with lead tape and uh, and that and that's about it. Um, that but yeah, it looks uh, like I said, it looks pretty traditional, it looks pretty Callaway. If you don't mind a little bit of offset on your wedges, you'll probably like the shape. I completely lost connection to you there for like ten seconds. I'm sure whatever you said was absolute gold and right right <laughs> on point. And I agree with everything you said in like right. ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you, thank you. No, but yeah, this, this <laughs> makes me just want to peel that lead tape away so bad. You know, I mean, what do we got going yeah. on under there? But yeah, so we end with the question, is a new Callaway wedge on the way? My guess, yeah. it's something, Something's coming soon. <laughs> but it's obviously still in the prototype stage, so you never really know. You never really know. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to think, when was the last Jaws... Because the wedges last a little, like they don't do, they do wedges like every two years, I think. But they usually have, they, they've they've recently had two wedges. They've got the full face and then the standard, um, like the full face grooves, the jaws full face, and then they've got the or jaws raw. I don't, yeah, I, I, I bet there. I mean, the, the, we haven't seen a new Apex, we haven't seen a new Apex Pro, we didn't see any of those kind of forged higher end models this year, like we kind of thought we would. Um, those seem to be running at least for a while. I mean, I'm going to assume if they didn't replace them now, we're probably not going to see a replacement mm-hmm. until maybe fall. And again, this is all, I, I have no clue. Nobody from Callaway's told me a thing. Um, so maybe, you know, we're going to see something later in the year with uh, with new wedges as well. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll, we will see something uh, probably before 2024. I hope I guess. so. Don't make me wait that long. <laughs> well, not soon. <laughs> we are to the hour mark already. I don't know how that happened so quick. I guess because we had a bunch of topics jammed in here, a lot going on. But that takes us to the end. Yep. Two guys talking golf it from Bay Hill. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna throw in one okay. more topic to you, only because I thought it was really interesting. Um, I am not familiar with the player himself, but Justin mm. Lowers and his putter. I saw, I saw that. Um, I see that the the one off, the complete one. Re- really. It's like they so if you're familiar with the Toulon Las Vegas, which we just talked about with Xander, it's the the number seven, the Odyssey number seven. It's that style, and it kind of comes out to a point, and then it goes to two fangs. And his, it's like they took a saw and just cut the toe and the heel points off. So it's just and you can flat. tell that's what they did because you can look at the Toulon Garage logo and the Las Vegas yeah. logo, and they just get straight up cut off. Like those weren't stamped. They're after cut off. The structure of the head was made. I think they either ground it or, yeah, like you said, just completely sawed it off. It was off. Wild butter. And really. I forgot about this. But what I don't. But the, the only thing I don't get, though, is what did they do to get the weight back up? Because, I mean, they've got a. Well, there's move, that custom I mean, there's a, there's a sole plate. Yep. But that would. If you made that solid steel, whatever, and tried to add the weight back, it would really raise kind of the center of gravity a little bit, and it would also add a lot of weight into the heel of the putter. You know what? That's um, a good question. How did so, they get the weight back up? That had to have been a ton of weight taken off. I wonder if under that plate, because on the on those two lines, there's a plate that yeah. unscrews. That's, that's a, that is a weight. In the retail models, the weight itself, there's a little yeah, rectangular yeah. plate. You could buy different weights of that. They, they had like aluminum ones, steel ones, whatever. I wonder if you pop that plate off, if there's like two huge like tungsten slugs in there that are like set into the the head, and then they just you might, cover you it might with be that, that plate. You've peaked. You've officially but, piqued my interest. Um, I'm surprised the the sole isn't completely caked in lead tape. Now you bring it up, yeah, that is that is shocking. But it's, it's one of the coolest little 
putters I've seen in a while with the Toulon just like kind of half chopped off. Yeah, you don't see you don't see this the, the little loss. You don't see this this type of stuff. A lot. No, and I'll tell you what, from a dress, it actually doesn't look that bad. Like I kind of thought it would look really janky, or whatever. It looks actually pretty good from a dress. I'm, I'm I, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> it's way too straight for me. Like the yeah, it's, the immediate it, top and bottom, um, like close to the face. You could just like kind of tell yeah. it wasn't. Oh, production cnc milled precise you know what i mean yeah i think it's really cool for me i'm I'm not a i'm not a mallet guy and this isn't really my type head shape and listen i'm gonna be honest it doesn't look great i just think it's super (laughs) cool like i love it and for guys like you and obviously for him if that's what you're looking for like it does have it probably achieves exactly what he wanted to achieve by reducing whatever angles are out there so he could focus his eye properly. It looks like it's very parallel, so it helps with alignment and all that. <laughs> yep. It's interesting. It's yeah, interesting. that's a unique one. Really so cool. Would- I'm happy you brought that up because I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Greg told, these these were Greg's photos. I didn't, I didn't see the putter, uh, but he drew my attention to it. And uh, I appreciate you mentioning that because that is really cool. I wonder who did that. I got to figure it out. Yeah. I like what guy What guy was just like, they handed him the putter and like, hey, cut <laughs> the sides off. He's like, no, what? literally, take a saw. Yeah, just cut, cut the, the sides. entire sides off. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes, do it. <laughs> just make it straight. <laughs> uh, okay. I love it. That's a, that's a real <laughs> prototype right there. That's like an old school prototype. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to talk to so. Joe Tuon. See what he did on that. Yeah, he, find he out. He pulled one. some magic out of his hat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the last because I, I saw that and I was like, oh man, as a number seven guy, I was just like, that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. a crazy piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're not going to be able to get your hands on that one, but you can buy the retail head and just no. try to replicate it. You got a saw? You got a saw in that <laughs> workshop over there, nuts? Yeah, I got a I got a saw. I can just by hand do it. It probably look fine. Just get the sandpaper <laughs> out. And- yeah, just <laughs> grind it off. It'll be no big All deal. Right. So that was two guys talking golf from Bay Hill. Um, obviously, on to the yep. players next week. Big event. Who's your pick? Who's your pick? That's right. <sighs> I mean, man, right now it is so hard to pick against Rom. The guy is just absolutely killing it right now. Um, but I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go Rom. I know it's such a cop out play, but God, the guy is just playing stupid good golf right now. I mean, I mean, it's like right now, who could beat him? It's, I'm gonna it's crazy. ride with the gearheads on this one. Patrick Cantlay proved his worth. He was awarded 50 uh, Golf Direct gearhead points this week. <laughs> so we're, we're going with Cantlay. He seems seems uh, comfortable with where he's at in the experimentation process. He's also extremely good at golf. Very, Very good, good at golf. So I like Cantlay. He's a good player. Yeah. So uh, like the gearheads are riding with Patrick so. Cantlay this week. Um, and we'll see at the players. I'm very fired up. It's always cool to go to TPC Sawgrass. Talk about a nut. I mean, this stretch, Bay Hill, Sawgrass, back-to-back. Good luck out there. Good luck out there, boys. Sweet. Better, better you than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see so. you next week on Two Guys Talking Golf. Nudson, as always, it's been a pleasure. Fans, thank you for listening. Haters, you can keep we'll listening. See you. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Peace.